If you're glad to be here this morning, say amen. amen. It's still better than the best jail they got in Wise County. <laughs> Brother, did you do this to me? Do you know it's been proven that the more you smile, the less wrinkles you'll have? Some of you better start smiling. You're going to be standing on your face. Amen. Amen. Listen, I know from a preacher's standpoint, and I want to thank your pastor, Brother Pew, personally, for not only the invitation, but for the invitation to come and be in his pulpit. It's not everybody that a preacher can allow in his pulpit. And if there's anything that he's jealous about, it's his pulpit because he knows what his people needs. I appreciate you, my brother. I appreciate the opportunity that I had to be the pastor here. And it thrills my heart to see you that were there are still serving the Lord. And uh, as it was said, Brother Gary was one of my first converts. He's probably not told you the story. I was on visitation I was visiting with a family that had been requested. He happened to be there. They paid no attention, but he said, can I get saved? So you, you never outdo God. Amen. And he's been a real blessing to know that he's still in the service of the Lord as the rest of you who uh, hesitant was willing to admit you were here when I was here. Uh, something I learned real quick, everything that comes from West Texas that's green is not cabbage. <laughs> and uh, it only took about two services till three of the ladies got together and established a praying group for me. They said, if there's anybody who needs prayer, it's him. <laughs> that was Miss Parsons. Miss Conger, and uh, I forget the other lady for a moment, but it'll come back. When you get my age, you sometimes have senior moments, but you know the joy of that is I'm having a new experience every time. <laughs> and I can always use it too as an excuse for, I'm sorry, I don't remember. <laughs> so it's great, amen? You know, I think today, ladies and gentlemen, we've lost our humor. Uh, God has a humor. If you don't believe it, just look in the mirror. <laughs> Amen? But I am glad to be here today. And also, God blessed me tremendously physically. My third son was born here. And... Uh, I've thought often of bringing him back. Amen? <laughs> but there's no hospital. So I'll keep him. I do uh, want to say that I had a tremendous time here. And there was some humor as a pastor here. When I went to seminary, I don't know if I was asleep or I missed the class. But it was never told me that if you baptize in the middle of the winter, you should have warm water. <laughs> I was so happy it was my first baptism, I gave no minor thought to that. 
So I filled it up. And uh, it came time to baptize. I stepped in the water, and I was freezing and shaking, and they thought, man, he's already being blessed of the Lord. Look, the Spirit's after him. And Miss Coates, bless her heart, she was the one I was to baptize. She put her foot in the water, and she said, hallelujah, no. But I just grabbed her and brought her in. And there we are both going coming up, but it was a revival in the church. They thought the Spirit of God had fell upon us. And then I learned what real forgiveness was. She forgave me and didn't leave the church. So you win both ways, amen? If you would take this opportunity to stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God. In your Bibles, look to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And here's the benefit. That the man of God or person may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto good works. God, may you bless the reading and the preaching of your word. You may be seated. The longevity of this church has been and will continue to be because of its Bible preaching. And the benefit of this church is that they've had preachers who believed and preached the Word of God unapologetic. Because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And as the result of that, the longevity of this church and the growth has been because that has been faithful. They've never parted from the preaching of God's Word. And for this church to continue until the Lord comes, it must maintain that. It must never let the preaching become secondary to the ministry of this church, for God chose by the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, to save those that believe. And the reason that we're in the trouble with today, while a religion is growing by leaps and bounds, regeneration has fallen by the wayside. The same thing that happened to Israel is happening to America today. We have a famine of hearing the Word of God. It's a shame when we, as a nation, apologize for what God says. Think about that. And there's a new battle that the church has got to face. And it is what is identified as situational ethics. Situational ethics. Now the official de definition is the situation taken into account first before deciding on the rules of right and wrong. An illustration. 
There was a group of those that professed to be saved, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ Christians. How did they feel about lying? And they all said, well, we ought not to lie, but... And it caught the attention of the one that was taking the survey. What do you mean, but? Well, I think we ought to be able to give, be given the right in that particular situation to judge the circumstances. What if my telling somebody they were wrong and I would offend them or cause them to be hurt, then would it not be better for me to lie to them and tell them what they want to hear? The only problem with that is, ladies and gentlemen, God said in James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it's sin. Circumstances should never rule to the fact that we maintain the truth of God's Word. Because, but today we have this new brand of Christianity, they call it, which it's not. And that situation allows us to redefine the Word of God and use it to the best benefit of how we feel. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's not the spirit of Christ. Do you know that the Bible tells us very plainly that we are to be true to the Word of God? And so I want to speak to you this morning on the message I've entitled and the message, the music has went right along with it. I thought for a while you were going to sing my message. <laughs> Amen. But I want us to be reminded, not that you don't know, but you remember what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, he said, every once in a while we need to be stirred up. Yeah, right. uh, we, we forget. We have short-term memory sometime in the things of God, and that's why God allows a trial. To shake us up, to bring us back to the place to remember who we are, what we are, and what we should be doing. But I want to preach on this morning on the power of God's Word. Why is it so important that we be honest to preach the Bible? Because it's God's only message for salvation. It's not a message, it's the message. Notice that and see what God says. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible tells us very plainly, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And what is that other name? Well, Jesus answers it personally, and if you'll go to John 14, 6, you'll find the answer to that other name. Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way. He didn't say one of the ways. He said, the way, meaning there's absolutely, completely, and totally no other way to come to God but through Jesus Christ. And you cannot come to Christ unless you go by the cross. The Bible said he was willingly made sin, who knew no sin, and he went to Calvary, and he shed his blood, and he was buried, and the proof that he was the reality and the Savior and the Son of God, he was resurrected the third day. And the Bible says, there is that song, and I'll not sing it because you would get up and leave. But by the way, the cross leads home. There's no other way. There's no other way. 
do you know there has been a complaint about John 14, 6 by the radicals and unbelievers who believe that's a hate verse? That if you believe anything other than Jesus Christ, you're wrong. No, that's a concern to know that you need to know the truth. There isn't any other way. Jesus Christ is the only way. And notice what it says of every play. And the truth. And the truth of the matter is, He did pay the price that we could have our sin forgiven and we could obtain the righteousness that we need to stand before a holy God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We have nothing to offer God. We corrupted everything. Do you know when Adam and Eve sinned, they corrupted creation and everything else. We destroyed it. But the Bible tells us the truth of the matter is God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He proved that. He proved His love beyond any shadow of a doubt by John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Let me say something about the world. Do you know if you're here lost this morning, God loves you? Do you know He's not discriminate? He knows who you are. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're doing, but He still loves you. And you're not outside of salvation except willfully denying the gift that God offers today is to come to Christ and be born again. There's nobody that's beyond the salvation of Almighty God except by choice. By choice. If you're here this morning, you need to make that decision. You need to come to the saving knowledge of Christ because time is growing short. You look around today, this world is changing at a rapid pace that's almost impossible to keep up with. And we get further and further away from God. And what was the world in the days of Noah? The Bible said, so shall it be. It was a day of violence and a day of wickedness because men's thoughts and intents were continually evil. Have you ever seen or thought that you would see the days of the evilness that's taking place or the wickedness? Sometimes you think, surely nothing could get worse, but it does because man is utterly corrupt. And the reason the Bible needs to be preached, ladies and gentlemen, it's God's only plan of salvation. There are antichrists that are spreading out all over the land. Religion's growing by leaps and bounds because it's setting the stage for the Laodicean church. But the Bible preaching churches, one of the greatest tests it went through, and many failed, was the pandemic. Because they took that opportunity to close, and God's so-called people chose that the reason not to come back. But God said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are, even as you see the day approaching. If there was ever a time, ladies and gentlemen, we need Bible preaching and fellowship with each other in the house of God, it's today. No man liveth or dieth unto himself. We need each other. We need each other to be faithful, to be forgiving, and to be loving of each other. Because no man's an island unto himself. And that's why we need to preach that the Bible is the only means of salvation. Then he notices thirdly, what does he say very plain? He said, the life. Eternal life is only given by Jesus Christ. 
There's no other way. You can't buy it. You can't beg it. You can't borrow it. You can't steal it. If you do not come to Christ, you cannot have eternal life. You cannot be forgiven, and you cannot have the righteousness that only Christ can provide. But he said very plainly, as God said, he was not willing that any perish, but all should come to everlasting life. That's an open invitation, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a discriminate world. Don't tell me you haven't discriminated, and don't tell me you haven't been discriminated against, but not from God. Not from God. God has never turned down anyone, no matter how filthy, how wicked, how rotten they were, or even sometimes how good they thought they were if they come by the way of the cross. It's an open invitation. And God proved it because he gave his son. And Jesus proves it, ladies and gentlemen, by being willing to go to the cross and pay the price. And to show you that he loves you no matter what you've done, no matter who you are. He said from the cross, one of the greatest sermons I think was ever preached. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And God is telling you this morning, He's willing to forgive you if you'll come to Jesus Christ. But there's no other way. There's absolutely no other way. Secondly, we need to preach the Bible because it's the only truth that can point men to the condition and women that they're in. Notice with me. Go to John chapter, I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. I'm amazed today it's hard to get people to say I've sinned. They say, well, I'm just not what I ought to be. What a cop out. No, it ain't not just what we ought to be. We're sinners. We're low down sinners. And God's word is the only one that can give us victory over it. The Bible said there in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Get a hold of it now, if you're looking at it, for that all have sinned. You mean you've sinned, preacher? Yes. Do you mean you've sinned still? Yes. But thank God I've got somebody, the moment I do, I can run and say, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me, and he does. Because I'm one of his children. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. The Bible tells us very plainly. And as a result of that, I'm amazed in talking with people. They think they're in trouble for what they're doing. Now, let me explain that before you get it marked out. You're not in trouble for what you're doing. You're in trouble for who you are. What you're doing is simply the result of who you are. You sin because you're sin. You walk in righteousness because you have the righteousness of Christ. But people think today, as long as I don't do this, I'm in pretty good shape. And it's, no. And I've had people say, well, I just can't quit doing that. So, no, you can't, but God can take it and we'll take it away from you. Amen. But look what he says, ladies and gentlemen. You don't understand as a sinner the serious shape that you're in. You know, there's two destinies. With Jesus, it's heaven. Without Jesus, it's hell. Well, I don't believe in hell. I feel sorry for you. You haven't changed a single thing. 
If there is no hell, there is no heaven. And if there is a heaven, there has to be a hell. But let me show you the difference between being in Christ and out of Christ. Go to John 3.36. Go to John 3.36 and see the difference between being in Christ and out of Christ. First of all, the positive, he that believeth on the Son. And we're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, look at it. He that believeth. What is believing? Taking God at his word. You know, people, listen to me, and I hope that I can make this plain. Uh, listen to me. Believing is not some mystical situation that only a few are open to. The Bible said, for whosoever shall come to the knowledge of Christ can be saved. Think about that. Look what it says. He that believeth on the Son. And when does the new birth take place? Immediately. Amen. Aren't you glad that salvation is not in monthly payments? I'd have never made the first one. Look what he said. And I'm amazed that people today say, the Bible don't teach eternal life. That's all it teaches. <laughs> what Bible have you been reading? You need to get rid of that thing. Because here's what the Bible says. Look at it. He that believeth on the Son hath. Present tense. Present tense. The moment you trust Christ, you're born again. You become a new creature in Christ. God didn't patch you. The patch wouldn't hold. He converts you. He brings forth the new you in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. Look at it. And he hath everlasting life. Present tense. Now how can everlasting mean temporary? I'm not very smart. But everlasting to me says you can't get rid of it. It's got to be forever. 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 Look at it and notice what he says right quickly. Present tense. But, now let's look at the negative. And this is why we encourage, if you're unsaved, please don't turn down God. You know the greatest invitation that a lost person ever receives is from God personally. Can you imagine that? The God of creation. The God who's created all offers you, as He offered us, the invitation to come and receive the gift of all gifts and to be freed from the condemnation that we were under and to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But what if you reject? Look at the last part of verse 36. He that believeth not. See, it's not what you do. It's who you are. And you'll never be able to stop doing what you're doing that's wrong until you get saved and the Holy Spirit takes it away. I make a statement and people look at me. I never made a change in my life. I never gave up anything that was wrong in my life. But the Holy Spirit changed my appetite and took it away. It was not me giving up. 
It was him changing me. It was him changing me. For without the Spirit, you can do nothing. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, nothing is not something part of the time. It's nothing. Nothing. So look what he says here. And he noticed very plainly, he says, hath not the Son, end of story, shall not see life. What's going to happen? Without Christ, and it's appointed unto man once to die. Nobody's going to escape death. We're all different here while we're the same, but we have a different life that God's give us. But we've all got something in common. One day we're going to die. To die in Christ is to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Amen. To die without Christ is to be in hell, in torment. And God so loved us that Adam is the one that sent us to hell. But God intervened and sent Jesus to change our course. And if you've had your choice changed, you ought to praise God. Every day you ought to get up and say, God, I'm a child of God. What would you have me to do? You know the prayer I think a Christian ought to pray often? Search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. You know, that's what made do. And here's something that bothers me. I think a lot of people are saved. And they have the, the outward belief of coming to Calvary, being trusting Jesus, confessing your sin. But you know what makes the difference in somebody like David and Paul? They know the Lord personally and a lot of times you know people will drop hints well I know so and so no they know about them you can't know Jesus unless you spend time with him that means daily daily in your Bible daily in your prayer and then taking what God is giving you and sharing to others but look what he said here right quick shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Do you know at death, without Christ, you've got to face the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is hell. God didn't create hell for man. He created for the devil and his angels, but man having loved darkness has enlarged hell. Oh, listen to me this morning. This is not the message that I had planned to preach. But this is the message that the Lord said you will preach. And I have a funny feeling you ought to obey the Lord. If you're here this morning without Christ, God has put a burden over my heart as he would every other Christian. Don't toy with your soul. It can't be recovered. No man can redeem his or her soul. The only way is to come to Jesus Christ. By faith. By faith. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now let me tell you something in closing. When you hear the message, the gospel, you've been found by the Lord. You have no excuse from then on. Now if you've not heard the gospel, 
then God's going to summon somebody if you want to hear. But once you hear the gospel, you're without excuse. Because the Bible said salvation is today. And you should call upon the Lord when he is near. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're here unsaved, the day you've heard the gospel and you reject it, you have been found by the Lord and he asked you to make a decision. You see, here's what the Bible says. It says, come. The Lord gives the message, but our part is to respond to it. Well, I'll think about it. No, no. When the opportunity is given and the invitation in a few moments, God expects you to step out and come. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And the Lord proved his love by you being here this morning as an unsaved person. And then, Christian, listen. God is also giving you a reminder of what it means to be saved and for you to pause for just a moment and check your life. Has your com commitment become casual and contemporary and convenient? Do I serve the Lord on my terms? Or am I serving the Lord on His terms? And don't get mad at me, but listen to all of us need to be reminded that business with the Lord does not replace spending time with Him. And here's something that God taught me through David, and I want to give it to you, and I'll be through. The greatest proof of love to God and the greatest way to praise Him is to obey Him. That's it. David said, it's better to obey than sacrifice. And when Peter learned that, it revolutionized his life, and he became the one that preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 were saved. It revolutionized Paul to the place that he counted everything as done that he might win Christ. When's the last time you asked the Lord? to reveal to you your commitment. Maybe you forgot something that you told the Lord you would do and you've not done it. Or perhaps the Lord's been dealing in your life with something He wants you to do, but it doesn't fit you, so you've delayed and postponed. You're robbing yourself of the blessings of God. And so, believer, this morning, I would encourage you to look deep in your own heart. It's as though nobody else is here but you. Because everybody here was spoke to by God in a pacific way. No two people get the message the same way. But I don't believe you're here as a believer even though you're a faithful member for a sermon or for a service that God has nothing to say to you. I don't believe that. I don't believe any time there's preaching or teaching or witnessing that God hasn't expected or looking or explaining or encouraging us to do something. And so let me say, if you're here without Christ, you need to come. And if you are with Christ, you need to be brutally honest. Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.